0: Okay, that's this genius.
2: One has a little star.
0: Go to audible.com/replay, that's audible.com/replay and get started today.
3: So thanks for showing up early. We're going to have a great panel. I'd like to bring out uh, our speakers. Let's start with Robert Kinsel. He runs content strategies and business for YouTube. Robert And we'll also be joined by Jeremy Zimmer, who runs one of the major talent agencies in Hollywood, United Talent Agency. So uh, Jeremy, I'm hoping that we can uh, begin the conversation by talking about kind of the changing face of uh, the, the entertainment world. Uh, UTA was one of the first agencies to really invest in um, in digital talent, and to, to actively begin looking out back in the days when Lonely Girl was, uh, was, a, was something we all talked about on the web. Um, Tell me about what 's happening in Hollywood that's sort of driven your interest in digital media
2: well I don 't know so much as it's what's happening in Hollywood, but you know consistently um, part of what talent agencies do is they, they search for new talent and they really look for performers and writers and artists that are creating audience and, and attracting people 's interest and it became obvious to us that the, the web would become a great new resource for talent and that talent would love the freedom and the immediacy of the web, so we decided to spend as much time as we could trying to get in the middle of that.
3: Mm-hmm. What, um, we'll talk a little bit about some of the more recent uh, news that you've had, but I wanted to, to push you on this notion about the, the, the landscape in Hollywood. I mean, film studios are not producing as many films. I mean, we, you saw from, the, from uh, last year's television upfronts right. that not only are broadcast networks seeing ad revenue decline, but now cable is beginning to be impacted as ad revenue begins to flow to the web. I mean, right. how much of a business opportunity does this represent for you?
2: Well, we think there's a, a, a tremendous business opportunity to continue to follow the audience. And as the audience moves from platform to platform, We want to be there, and we want to figure out how to create and deliver, how to help create and deliver the best content to that audience, regardless of the platform. Um, You know, what is happening in Hollywood is the studios have been uh, shrinking their slates. They've been sort of moving out of the middle. They've been focusing on giant tentpole movies, which are still, you know, not to sound like some, you know, old guard Hollywood guy, but the truth is this weekend, you know, um, <laughs> 50 there was a Days great came film. out and did 250 million dollars in worldwide business and you know then another movie behind that we know even talks about Kingsman did another 40 and it's still pretty tremendous vibrant powerful business when the product is good having said that there is obviously tremendous opportunity for new talent and they're excited about being able to work in a more immediate way and there's uh, less restrictions and not as many gatekeepers, so they can get out there and start doing their thing much more quickly mm-hmm.
3: well let 's take a look at the landscape i mean robert let's let 's start talking about youtube 's place in this space. I remember when uh, when I first started covering uh, YouTube, people were scratching their heads, wondering why Google would spend one point six five billion dollars to acquire this site where people are watching you know cats use the toilet and dogs on skateboards i mean it didn 't seem like uh, much to many in traditional Hollywood, but that, that's changed. Uh, and you've kind of had the, the space to yourself. What, how do you look at the competitive landscape now?
1: Um, it, it definitely has changed. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't really believe that we've had it to ourselves for a long time. Uh, we never look at the business as online video only. We look mm-hmm. at the video business in general. Uh, whether you look at total video, whether it includes advertising and subscriptions, or just advertising, either you're looking at $200 billion market or $400 billion market. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we've always been a very small portion of the overall video business, kind of as G- uh, Jeremy just mentioned. And so, so we never thought about it as having it to ourselves. Uh, I think there've always been ventures like Hulu and a whole bunch of other uh, sites all around the world uh, that have tried the same thing. Uh, what has happened, I think, in, in the last 12 months is that every platform uh, has decided that uh, video format is something that they want to add to their uh, suite of offerings. So, you know, social networks go from text to image to video as mm-hmm. uh, as an expansion, and uh, traditional uh, company, you know, TV channels, traditional companies realize that there is tremendous amount of talent that you know, Jeremy represents and a whole bunch of other folks that. Is capable of attracting massive audiences, which then uh, increases the odds of uh, the content actually working. Mm-hmm. So they're going after the talent to work with them. So I think you're just seeing tremendous validation of the space, and uh, we're just uh, happy to be part of it. And you know, competition sharpens your edges, so then it's fun. <laughs> well,
3: let's let's dig into it. I mean, you know, we'll have uh, Jason uh, Kylar uh, on, on the on the stage later on this morning talking about his new video venture vessel, which is. Yep. Uh, focused on YouTube talent and trying to recruit YouTube talent and secure an exclusive window for some of those vi- so some of those uh, videos. How is YouTube responding to that kind of competitive pressure?
1: Yeah, so, um, we've you know so as I mentioned, like we never felt alone in in the past. So we've actually been working on a lot of different things.
3: Right. I I knew you were sweating for Yahoo for a long time, but yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but uh, you know, every time you're in a space, that's worth it. Uh, you will have multiple really capable companies uh, trying to take a piece of it, and you will have a lot of other companies who will try and fail. Then right? it's like every time there's a really great space, that's what will happen. So we had no question about that, and we've been investing into our creators uh, quite a lot, as you've seen, like from our marketing campaigns last year. You know, we picked uh, quite a few and really alleviated them in a big way and built our brands. Uh, we started to invest into. Uh, selling uh, our top channels, top 5% of channels differently uh, Mm -hmm. through Google Preferred, which we opened up in five markets and we're opening in 11 more this year. Mm -hmm. And and the the top creators in Google Preferred are actually seeing 70% revenue growth rate.
3: Tell me exactly what that is. Because so
1: Google to Preferred account. is a, uh, you know, generally the way YouTube sells is uh, we sell with skippable ad format called TrueView, mm-hmm. uh, which is tremendous and represents like 70, 80% of our revenue. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's scaling tremendously. Advertisers only pay when the user watches it, and the user has an option to skip the ad. Right. So it's a very friction-free uh, advertising format. Uh, so that's been working incredibly well. But we also recognize the fact that our top creators need additional way of selling mm-hmm. uh, that advertisers want content agency to certain content mm-hmm. that, is, uh, that is more premium to them. So we decided to launch a product, a sales product, called Google Preferred, where we put top 5% of our channels uh, into it and, and offered advertisers to buy against that specifically. So one is an audience sale, and Google Preferred is a content sale. And the, the top traders in Google Preferred uh, have uh, seen 70% growth rate in revenue versus uh, 50% growth rate, which is the general uh, mm-hmm. sort of partnership uh, mm-hmm. growth. So, uh, so it's been quite successful and that's only been really in the works uh, you know, only uh, for one quarter because we did all the campaigns last year starting in you know, September, October. So uh, we're expanding that all around the world and making sure that we deliver more for them. So we have been investing in creators that way. And then um, uh, in the last six months we also decided to start funding some content with our top creators. So we launched YouTube Originals. And uh, so we're looking at a whole bunch of projects with folks who have amassed you know, millions of people as their weekly audience so that we can launch projects uh, right. with greater success rate.
3: Well, Jeremy, you, uh, your agency has represented some of the top talent on, on YouTube. I'm thinking specifically of Michelle Phan, who uh, talked to me about whether Michelle has been able to uh, exist uh, on the revenue she receives solely from from YouTube up until this point or how you've how you've approached I mean,
2: ex- exist is a relative is a relative issue so right I so mean, she's, she's in
3: her 20s she really she's, doesn't she's have
2: she's done well but she's also been able to build businesses outside of well, YouTube
3: we'll but, talk about that because yeah. it seems the perception has long been that the that the artists uh, who have blossomed on YouTube have simply used it as a launching platform that they make their money elsewhere and that that's also true with michelle can you yeah that i mean that?
2: that has historically been true with michelle and many of the artists and then you know part of what happens when value starts to be created is marketplaces build around it so what we're seeing now is a marketplace really starting to develop for this talent and what happens when marketplaces start to develop is agents help to create and organize the marketplace so we've become more and more involved in helping to create and organize the marketplace which is a nice way of saying getting these guys to pay up and getting the other guys <laughs> to pay up. And that's just, that's, that's part of what, it's the natural order of things. And so we've been getting more and more involved with dealing with YouTube and with dealing with some of the competitors and trying to help create maximum value for the clients.
3: Are they beginning to see anything like the sorts of revenue that they would uh, would see from other platforms? I know that, you know, for, for years, the story has always been uh, that, the, that the ad rates we're never equivalent to other media because there's no scarcity, right? There's just an abundance of, of video. Are you beginning to see, with uh, with greater competition and perhaps m- more curation, are you beginning to see more revenue flow from from YouTube and other online distributors?
1: Can I answer for Jer- Jeremy? Please. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, we're definitely seeing uh, tremendous growth in revenue. Uh, we've been growing 50% year-on-year year year for the last three years.
2: Okay,
3: that's so. Google. So and, and No, how's that's, to... that's YouTube. Okay.
1: And, um, and because of that, because of our revenue sharing, um, unlike most other platforms, <laughs> uh, we uh, are passing on a majority of the revenue to content creators. Mm-hmm. So they, too, are growing at the same growth rate. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've seen uh, you know, tremendous embrace by the advertisers, and, and we just continue to, uh, to drive that growth rate. I think your question is really, uh, you know, are they generating more money in other places? Mm-hmm. And I think every time you create a brand, the very premise of a brand is that you want to monetize it across many different platforms, right. whether it's in video, whether it's in print, whether it's right. in physical products. And we are a tremendous platform for brand creation. Uh, Michel Phan is a brand. Right. Uh, Zoella is a brand and they are creating big enterprises around themselves and they do need organizers to help them figure out how to maximize their revenue from all of these things. So I think you will only see more and more of this
3: mm-hmm.
1: and, uh, and people generating revenue from as many uh, avenues as they can.
3: Mm-hmm. You mentioned that, uh, that YouTube is doing more to sort of um, to spur more content creation and to underwrite it. This isn't the first time sure. that you've, you've, you've tried yep. uh, this approach. Tell me what you learned from the $200 million investment yep. that, that YouTube made, was it in 2012? I'm trying to remember, um, uh, a few years back.
1: It 11 or 12, yeah. yeah. Um, what we learned was that uh, you really want to lean into people who know how to build audiences. The main difference between the way... Like him? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. The people who, who create direct consumer relationship. Like when, you, when you think about media over the last 40, 50 years, it was really closed system with gatekeepers and, um, and a lot of B2B optimization because mm-hmm. there was ultimately somebody else, the gatekeeper, who decided who gets put in front of the consumer. Mm-hmm. The internet opened everything up, which means suddenly direct-to-consumer businesses are building on the internet or on platforms like YouTube. And the people who are succeeding are people who, who not only create the content, but also know how to cultivate audience relationship. And that's a really important uh, distinction. Right. And what you want to do is you want to bet on the people who have both of these skills, not just the content creation skill. Because if they have the content creation skill, it, there is a really high chance of getting lost in the clutter right. of huge amounts of uh, content versus the people who know how to cultivate the audiences. So... Uh, you know we like to bet on people who do incredibly well on YouTube
3: so you're saying having madonna on your platform by itself wasn't enough to to make well, investing madonna was
1: in her? she actually made a smart uh, <coughs> smart move with one of the mcn's and got involved with them and she actually partnered with talent who had that ability on YouTube so she actually uh, did very well <laughs>
3: <laughs> so how are you how are you approaching this now, I, didn't you just recently speak um, earlier this, this last month about you know this investment in, in talent? How is it different this time out?
1: Oh, it's it's along the lines of uh, what I just mentioned, which is we look at the people who are really successful on YouTube and have cultivated uh, tremendous audiences, have have tremendous velocity, and so the thesis is if you invest into those folks, uh, you know you have much higher chance uh, of succeeding with any new content with mm-hmm. them as with anyone else because. You know, there is a built-in audience, and, and and your your marketing cost is lower. Give me, an exa- and just, give me some names. Higher. Let's
3: put some, put a face on you know on this strategy. Can you talk about anyone who's who you're working with in particular, or someone who you've worked with in the past who's been right who's, who's benefited?
1: Um, I'm I'm talking about things that we're working through right now. So uh, you not, don't want to give
3: us any news. <laughs> <tonight>? <laughs> I don't want to give you any news, but uh,
1: but but you can you know you can think of people who are on the top of uh, of our partner pyramid. And um, and you know those who make it it's to the top pinnacle. Of our
3: partner period. Yes, it's you know we
1: we, we have fifteen million content partners, um, and uh, you know so we're sending out a lot of checks to a lot of people, uh, and we have service levels that go all the way. You know they get you know uh, more and more high touch as you get uh, towards the top, and the people who are at the top mm-hmm. are you know increasingly uh, will get more and more taken care of. We're, we've been working through. Uh, we're, we're working on a program now that. Uh, uh, will help accelerate uh, their businesses on YouTube. Mm-hmm. In a way, we're looking at things such as uh, promotion, uh, increased ad load, uh, utilization of YouTube spaces, uh, much higher service levels, etc. And uh, it's it's a really tricky thing to do uh, because you want to make sure that you don't do it at the expense of the viewer, mm-hmm. uh, so because the viewer is ultimately what the creators there for. Uh, so one can come at the expense of other. So there's a lot of uh, uh, fine tuning. But um, if you are at the top of our partner pyramid, then um, uh, you will uh, receive uh, assistance like you've uh, never received before. That can fundamentally change your business.
3: Jeremy, you guys have been uh, in the trenches uh, with YouTube for a long time. I know that your, your agency helped package what became Awesomeness TV, a uh, channel that programs for, for millennials and subsequently was sold to DreamWorks. Right. Um, talk to me about the economic realities of, of YouTube and, how, you know, and and how what's how well historically done in selling media to, to media buyers and whether you're seeing any, any, any change recently.
2: I can't really comment on change recently, but I can say that historically there's been a certain level of frustration in terms of how well YouTube has or hasn't been able to sell media, sell right. advertising around the channels. And there has, has historically been frustration on behalf of some of their content partners. But like anybody, like any system, you know this thing's happened so fast and grown so quickly. And really getting the advertisers to as much as I hate the phrase, lean in, getting the advertisers <laughs> to lean in and sure spend the money it. and believe that it mattered and believe that, 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 that uh, there was real value in spending there, I think has been a big part of the challenge. Uh, that's clearly changing. We all know it's changing, and YouTube is going to be both... YouTube and our clients will be a beneficiary of that. But historically, there's definitely been some uh, tension in the midst of that conversation. Go ahead. Oh, you want me to talk? Yeah. Um...
3: You're shooting me. No, no, no. I, I, yeah. uh,
1: <laughs> I don't believe that there, there are only uh, a couple of companies that are growing as fast as we are on the scale that we are. Mm-hmm. We're one of them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we are sharing the uh, vast majority of our revenue with our content partners. Mm-hmm. So um, we feel quite confident about um, us being able to deliver on the value to to the creators, and it really ultimately depends on the size of viewership that the creators get, because then you just multiply by the, uh, the CPMs that you're getting, and, mm-hmm. and you, you're getting the revenue. But uh, the growth is astounding. And uh, one of the things that really became interesting with all of this competition is that we, we expected deceleration of the business, and it's actually accelerating. And um, I think it's because what I mentioned before, that we're playing in a somewhere between two and four hundred billion dollar market, depending on how you look at it. So if any of the online companies uh, grow five times their size, we won't even touch each other Mm -hmm. because the market is so big, but the overall commotion that we're all causing is actually helping everyone grow. So we're we're just trying to hold on uh, with this growth and just keep on fueling it even more.
3: So, Jeremy, as we keep referencing the other opportunities. I mean, Facebook has emerged as a major deliver, distributor of, um, of videos, online videos. I think they're now claiming uh, 3 billion daily views. Uh, you've recently done some experiments with other social media platforms. Let's look out across the landscape and see what else is available to the talent you represent.
2: Well, the, the landscape's changing so fast. I mean, we sold a series um, a couple of weeks ago to Snapchat, and they 're going to become more and more aggressive. Facebook continues to s- signal that they 're going to have a, a much more focused and organized video platform. God knows what will happen with yahoo, but there's there's continuing <laughs> opportunities and there 's certainly a tremendous amount of uh, funding available and and're you know we 're in the middle of all of that you know and that 's not to mention obviously Amazon and Netflix and the the people doing more traditional content and funding more traditional content. Mm-hmm. I think the challenge for us, uh, on behalf of our clients, is getting access to the kind of analytics that help us make intelligent deals. Because we've, you know, in in our traditional business, ratings, box right. office gross, et cetera, we could sort of determine the value of the content based on some of those metrics. And the the you know it's you don't get any data. You don't get data from uh, Netflix. You don't get data from Amazon. It's hard to get. Real, you get data from YouTube. You get data from YouTube. It's hard to know exactly what that data means yet. And I think what's uh, what's critical to for us as as representatives is to start to develop a new set of metrics so we can understand the value of our of our clients' work.
3: So, so will YouTube uh, adapt its uh, the way it counts and measures audience so it conforms with other media? I think I'm hearing something like that.
2: No, I didn't say that. I'm not though. suggesting that. I'm suggesting um, we actually have to adapt and okay. conform the way we measure mm-hmm. so that we can understand their system better. Okay. I don't think they have to yeah. adapt to us. I think okay. we have to I think it's that. hard because it's, it's hard to, like,
1: you know, Snapchat, YouTube, Facebook—they're all different right, fair and point. different experiences, uh, different advertising products. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really hard to standardize them. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's—it's it's, unfortunately, it's more work for for, yeah. for them to try to figure out what what matters. Fair point. Yeah. Well,
3: well, take me through some of the platforms. I mean, let's talk a little bit more about Snapchat because have, thinking of an ephemeral messaging platform as a place to distribute serialized content is not perhaps what immediately comes to mind. Tell me about sort of the evolution of that project.
2: Um, the, the evolution of the project was they, you know, we started in early conversations with them about what their sort of hopes and dreams were, and uh, we found a project. And unfortunately, I can't remember the name of the creator right this minute. Mm-hmm. And we helped marry them to an advertiser and and bring that to Snapchat and shape right. that project with them. Mm-hmm. And I know those are the kind, you know, and it's an ephemeral platform, but it's also, you know, my my fourteen-year-old. Spends half her life there, so if suddenly right. we can present to her exciting serialized content, she's going to be excited to to watch it.
3: Mm-hmm. How do you view uh, Facebook specifically as a, as, a, as a platform? Is there certain types of content that work there? I mean, I know I've seen a lot of serendipitous stuff there—a surfer who, you know, with a GoPro, who suddenly found a seal on his board. You know, I, right. it's sort of it's been kind of more. Uh, Serendipitous for me, but how do you think about that? Well, I
2: I think people, I think there's a big opportunity on Facebook because they have such a massive audience and people sort of trust and like it. I think they've got to decide what kind of content they really want to find and feature and develop there. And I think they're in the very early uh, phases of that. And, you know, there's a, there is a leap, there's an emotional leap that goes from sort of being a platform to being a content uh, platform. financier and creator and and, you know I think they're very much a technology company and getting over that hurdle is going to be is going to take some time and be challenging for them Mm -hmm. but I think if they get there there's a a massive opportunity for them.
3: Interesting. What do you think of uh, any of these other platforms as being an opportunity for storytelling or are they limited to promotion? I'm thinking say Twitter again 200 million users is that, is that a place where your, your talent can do more than simply tout an upcoming project? I think our,
2: I think our talent is, is excited about any of these platforms that have massive audience, but I think all of them are, as, as Robert said, they're all different, and they're all very specific, and they're utilized in very specific ways. And, and I think until either the client has to get inspired about what will work on that platform or the platform really has to understand what kind of stuff will work there, and then have to reach out to design it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's you know early days yet.
3: Okay, excellent. Before we uh, before we open the the floor to questions, um, Robert, I wanted to ask for kind of a status update on YouTube subscription business. I, I, I'm, it, correct me if I'm remembering the numbers wrong, but I think fully a third of your views come from people who uh, like my like my 15 year old daughter who goes to YouTube and uses it like radio. It's her primary tool for discovering and listening to music. Um, how has your music subscription service done thus far since since launch?
1: Sure. Uh, so you talk about music. Yeah. Um, so we've launched uh, we've launched beta in December. So we're in closed right. in invitation only beta. Right. So uh, I wouldn't call it a launch yet. Okay. Uh, we're fine tuning the uh, mm-hmm. experience, and we've invited our best users to make sure that uh, you know we reward those and make them participate in it. So um, it will it will launch in a in a few months. Um, you know, to open public, so we've just been tinkering with it uh, for now, but it's, uh, it's a very important uh, part of the business. And uh, you know, there are audiences, that, you know, we've made uh, and will continue in a big way to drive uh, advertising revenue for everyone, but there are users who, uh, there are some users who just don't want to see ads, and in case of music, they also want additional functionality, like offline, et cetera. So it makes sense that a we satisfy the user desire mm-hmm. uh, for for that experience, and b that we deliver higher ARPU to uh, higher ARPU users to our uh, creators. Right. Um, and so so it's an important uh, important initiative for us, and, and we're uh, we're putting a lot of resources into it.
3: Are you, are you worried that it's it's hard to make the proposition to the consumer that? A service that they're accustomed to receiving for free is suddenly something that will cost their parents' Which, money or them uh, themselves' money. No,
1: because YouTube won't change. YouTube is what it is, and, uh, and will continue to be free, and will continue to grow, and will continue to drive the advertising revenue uh, tremendously. But uh, there is a subset of users who wants additional things like no ads, or mm-hmm. background and offline, or, or you know these features. Mm-hmm. So uh, if we, you know, they are used to paying for those on other services. There's a reference point for that. So um, we don't think it changes anything for the existing users. It's just if they want more mm-hmm. out of it. And for us, it's a similar uh, path uh, that we actually took in mobile three years ago. Mm-hmm. That you know at that time, YouTube uh, people content creators they could opt out of different platform distribution. And uh, we took uh, about nine months to go through all of our agreements, and we have mm-hmm. quite a few million of those. And. <laughs> change them so that uh, when you publish content to YouTube, it has to be on all platforms. Right. And today, 50% of our viewership uh, is coming from mobile, mm-hmm. and our mobile revenue is growing 100% year on year. So mm-hmm. it's been a tremendously successful uh, pivot for us, and, and we are, uh, you know, we're working on the same thing here.
3: All right, excellent. I, I'm going to open the floor to questions. If anyone would like to, uh, to pose any questions to these gentlemen, um, let's begin. Hi, uh, Robert, Ryan Lawler from TechCrunch. Um, Quick question, just, I I don't know if you can speak to the product side of things, but if you go to YouTube.com and even sort of the mobile apps, they haven't really changed very much in the last four or five years. It's, you know, a bunch of jumbles of related videos and shitty comments. And, you know, in a world where um, you're trying to court brand advertisers, you're trying to show... Um, you know, higher production value videos and stuff like that, it seems like the product isn't really where you'd like it to be um, for both of those constituents. Um, how do you think about that and, and what you're doing? Sure.
1: Let me just uh, clarify the goals. The goals for us are not to have higher production value content. That's our, The goal for us is to have more users and more watch time. That's the, Those are the primary goals. Um, if uh, higher production value content helps achieve that, then it makes sense. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everything that happens on, on our uh, site is highly optimized for watch time. And, uh, you know, and our watch time has been growing tremendously and, as I mentioned, recently has even accelerated. So uh, I think it really just depends on who you are and what the platform is to you. Um, but it's, it's hard for us to make changes that decelerate the watch time, and a lot of the changes that actually would make it um, uh, cleaner uh, do that, so it's, it's a really tough spot to be in, and I, you know, I have this analogy that I say that you know, with the internet uh, opening up the closed systems of uh, traditional distribution, we're kind of like going from Switzerland to India, but Switzerland <laughs> is really neatly organized, mm-hmm. and everybody understands it, everybody does really well, and India is really messy, uh, very vibrant with huge amounts of signals but it's growing incredibly fast and I think the, the world that we're heading into, the you know, internet world and not just in video, but in general is, is, a, is a world of incredible noise and it's really hard for all of us who grew up in Switzerland to actually understand that but uh, if you go by the numbers and you focus on, on the underlying metrics I think Hano leads you to it so it's a, it's a really tough problem to solve and, uh, but our primary goals are you know, number of users and watch time.
3: Yes.
0: Hey, Robert, Rodney Jerkins here. Um, Ryan Tedder um, of of the band One Republic recently did a song last year that was called Counting Stars. It had over 600 million views on YouTube. Him as a writer only received $900. I'm wondering, I'm curious to know where you guys are going to take it for the creatives in the future.
1: So we actually, uh, music is a very large uh, portion of our watch time in general, and, and we have uh, great relationships with uh, a lot of the suppliers. We don't pay him directly. We're paying a publisher, uh, and whatever happens between the publisher and the artist, it, like, w- you know, we don't know, we, we don't get to see that. Uh, what I can tell you is the amount of money that we pay out, which is incredibly significant. It's, it's the largest, largest checks that we're paying out are for music. So, um, you know, to the, to,
0: to, the, to the publisher or to the artist?
1: to the publisher, okay. to the publisher, you know, in case of he's a writer, right? So in that case, it's, you know, if he's with Sony ATV or whoever, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's between him and the publisher where the, where the money, um, flows. So it's, it's hard for me to comment on that.
3: Got it. Thank you. Thank you. And over
2: here. Hey, Jeremy, Lucas Shaw from Bloomberg. I have a question. Uh, Both CAA and WME, your two principal rivals, have grown a lot larger over the past few years, thanks largely to new private equity money. You guys have tried at various points to to raise some money. How do you plan to to compete with the two of them now that they've gotten so much larger? And to the extent that digital plays a role in that, what is the most profitable or successful part of that practice for you guys? you know we're not spending our time sort of trying to grow agent for agent or dollar for dollar as as compared to CA and WME. We're trying to grow in a way that makes sense for us and makes sense for our clients, and so that means continuing to add the right practice areas and the best executives in order to fulfill the needs of those clients. Um, the digital practice has had a lot of uh, successful revenue points from. Uh, retainer business representing companies, uh, digital-based companies trying to access traditional media, media companies trying to access digital. It's also now becoming very, uh, very lucrative representing YouTube stars and being in the middle of their negotiations between different platforms. And obviously, you know, we've had a couple of great experiences where we've been involved in companies and their origination.
3: All right. Thank you very much for your time, gentlemen. Uh, we're going to bring Peter Kafka on next. Thanks again.